You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. We're out for the summer, so this is our School's Out for the Summer episode. Welcome back, everyone, to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode nine called State Testing and Battling Senioritis. In this episode, we'll go over the pros and cons of state testing. We'll go over how to combat senioritis. And finally, we'll finish up with our tech battle royale. So pretty much the month of May is state testing, I feel. Some type of testing, whether it's AP, whether it's uh, PARC, whether it's the New Jersey science test or the new New Jersey uh, junior science test. Yeah. So I feel like it's a lot of state testing. I'm I'm not saying that this is a necessarily a bad thing. I just think it's a little much. It is, yeah. I mean, the whole, like you said, the whole first two weeks of May, it's all the AP tests, so the kids get pulled out for half a day for most of those. And in many high schools, uh, and ours is no different. You know, kids, a lot of kids are taking two, three, four, sometimes even more AP tests. There's a bunch of time. Most states, probably all states now, have some kind of large scale math and English language arts test that you have to take to graduate. In New Jersey, we're uh, we're dealing with the park tests right now. And uh, we've also got you know the science testing, and it's just it feels like every other week there's some something going on. Plus, you add on to that all the remake or the, the makeups for absent students, and it gets to be a lot. And this is a this is not just a high school thing. This is across all the grade levels. So we just kind of wanted to throw that out there, go over maybe some of the pros and cons, because certainly as a classroom teacher, it seems more like a negative. But perhaps, well, I don't know. Are there some benefits to this whole thing? Where do, where do we stand on this? I definitely think there's some benefits. You, you get to kind of see everybody on a level playing field. Like the test is exactly the same. And I feel like that's that's a benefit. It allows us to see maybe what types of concepts the state thinks are very, very important based on the standards they provide us. Right. And also maybe retention rates. If everyone is taking the same test and we're getting all these baseline scores for everybody and we see that... For instance, in science, that the photosynthesis section were very low as a district. Maybe we need to go back and revisit that part of the curriculum and maybe spruce up uh, those standards a little bit or the activities that we run to check for those standards. Sure. I get all that. All right, but I want you to picture this. I want you to picture a junior in high school. And there's now park testing. So if the junior is in a certain math class... They have to take that park test. If they're in an English class, they have to take that park test. Now we have the junior science test. They got to take that test. Yep. And what if they, for some reason, they decide that the springtime's the right time to take the SAT or the ACT? I mean, that's a lot of testing. And then we go right into June. And what is it? It's finals. Yeah. Is this a great time for all this testing? I mean, certainly, yeah, it's kind of... I don't want to just recap everything you said, but I think the point is there's definitely a place for assessment. Nobody would argue there's not. In the in the large-scale tests, they can definitely do that and provide some good feedback. But I think our main knock on this whole thing is is just the quantity, like you said. I mean, if we really counted up, although if we went hour by hour, everything you just said, maybe your average junior takes two AP tests. That's six hours right there. Throw the park tests into that. I don't know how many hours those were. It's got to be at least, I mean, maybe two to three hours a day over four days. So you're looking at eight to 10 hours 
hours there, plus the junior science test, another two days, three hours a day, another six hours there. Um, and like you said, rolling into finals, that's another three to four hours, depending on how many testing there are. That's It's a little ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's good times to take these tests, and if they were more spread out, that right. might be a little better. I don't know. I, I just feel like everything in May is chaotic, and I think that is part of the reason why some of the kids get burned out by the time you know June comes around. Yeah. I just think back to taking finals. I, I remember in PA, we had one test that was a state standardized test, and we had it at the same time every year. So the PSSA, right? I think I remember that from yeah, college. I think it was the PSSA. Yeah. I know now they use the Keystone. Oh, re- oh I didn't know it changed. Okay. It, maybe there's still PSSAs, but yeah. I, I know they also do the Keystone, which right. is very similar to Park. Right. But does it have to be in May? Can we spread these out? These are these are some valid questions. And, and really, what are we using these for? If they're not going to be for graduation requirements, I could see saying, hey, we need to have this baseline knowledge in order to pass high school. Yeah. I get that. I have no problem with that either. I mean, you got to take boards if you're in a medical profession. You got to yeah. take the you know LSTATs to get into law school, but then you have to take the bar to be a practicing lawyer yeah of course you know there's all those milestones and all those challenges and you study for it and you get through but in the public school it'd be nice if like with those exams there's some kind of consistency you know what i mean instead of changing every five years or some kind of thought into the value and, and actually letting students and teachers know what to prepare for each time even if it was just to say hey if you scored in this level on the standardized test you get a level one diploma. So there's a little bit of differentiation on the diploma. If you score above this, you get an advanced proficient diploma. Right. That's a really cool idea. Yeah, just have some type of uh, leveling a little bit. I mean, everyone can see everyone's GPA and and all that, but when you go to college, do they necessarily look at your state test scores? I don't think they do, do they? I think it's SATs, ACTs, and uh, your GPA. Yeah. Oh, did we? Yeah, I didn't even think about that. If you're taking SATs, a lot of kids do both of those now. Right. And then yeah. all your, your SAT subject tests, which is a big thing. I know and I didn't know anybody in high school who was doing those things. Well, I know that ACTs when I was in high school it was more geographical. I right. feel like uh, the southern yeah. part of the country wanted the ACT scores where the schools that I focused on on the northeast, you know, they wanted uh, more of the SAT. It was all it was all SAT. So and now I feel like it's even playing field. Students could do either or both. There, Yeah. A lot of them do both just to see which one they do better on. They might even be sending off both scores to the colleges i'm not sure yeah so this is just us thinking out loud a little bit these are our opinions and like we said we're not we're not saying state testing is a terrible thing there there is a purpose for it but you know do we need the month of may to you know hash these out yep let's slow it down let's think about some consistency and maybe focus on the tests that are most valuable and actually have a purpose and uh, let's see where we can go with it sounds good to me You can follow Got Teched outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTeched. Nick, it seems crazy to me that it is June already. Oh my gosh, I cannot 
believe it. We are a couple of weeks away from... I mean, we're recording now at the beginning of June. We won't yeah. release this until the middle of June. And at that time, we'll be a couple of days away from summer. Yep. And it's why our school is probably one of the latest to get out. And I know a lot of a lot of people are already wrapping it up. I saw graduation pictures on Instagram today. So it's starting to wind down. In honor of that, I think we've got a pretty interesting segment for you guys here. Um, dealing with senioritis. Senioritis is right. I mean, we're out the 22nd of June. They've been out since the 22nd of February. Right. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it, yeah. So when does the third quarter start? What, May? Yeah, I think so. Early May? Yep, early on in May. Late April? No, it's the last week in April. Yeah. But here's the thing. Our seniors have checked out since February. So why do we... What is the benefit of making them come to school for the last eight weeks. Well, the problem, I mean, the high school teachers know this and, and most people are aware. The problem is once the senior, the senior class, once they get their college applications out, once they hear back from their colleges and they know that they've been accepted into a school, they kind of feel like their time in high school is winding down and they sort of lose motivation. I don't blame them. I remember feeling that way when I was in high school too. Uh, so really, we're just asking the question, like guys just brought up, what is the point? And is, is there a point? What do they learn? And is, are there things maybe that we could do as teachers or as the educators to get something valuable out of that time where the, the seniors still have to come to school. There has to be a better way. I think you had an interesting thought, and I'm not sure if that's where this is going to go or if we're going to take it a different place, but some kind of a project-based thing. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, our job is as teachers is to prepare students for life after high school, whether that is in the real world, getting a job right out of high school, right, or going to a two-year or four-year institution, or maybe even more. We have to prepare each student with the skills to succeed. That's what we have to do. So one thing is, is when I reflect back to college, I remember exactly having a conversation with an admissions counselor, and I remember in high school, I was like, I didn't really study that much. I did well. I liked school, but I could see myself going down so many different avenues. Yes. And I remember the last three months of high school, just, you know, showing up, kind of hanging out, took a test, took a quiz, but I really didn't put as much effort in. I was already into college. I know that's a terrible thing to say, but senioritis is real. Yeah. So my question is, if we're supposed to prepare students for the real world, why aren't we giving them any time to do real world experiences? Now, I'm not talking about getting a summer job at the local, you know, convenience store or pet no. shop. I'm I'm talking something that they want to do long term. So when I went to my college admissions counselor, I was like, hey, what, what's the most challenging major here? They told me si one of the sciences. I was yeah. like, great, sign me up for biology. Did <laughs> I have an interest in biology? Yes. Yeah. But I also like communications. If we give these high school seniors, I'm not talking the underclassmen. They need to keep learning. They're going to have more time to learn their senior year. Yeah. But I'm talking about real world experience here. Why don't we say, hey, if you're taking an AP test, you have to go through AP testing. But if you're done with your regular classes, like there's no AP test or a state test based on that subject, and you want to go out and shadow somebody that you think that that's a career path for you, try to get that early experience. I don't, I, I see that more beneficial than keeping seniors here that aren't motivated to learn. Sure. I think that would be more rewarding. 
So some kind of like an internship program where they could pick something they're into, get a community organization together, pool some local businesses that are willing to cooperate and actually have students go be part of that and learn some things. Students have three quarters to get a some type of document signed saying, hey, this, this person decided that they would be my mentor and allow me to shadow them for a couple weeks after, Right. you know, a couple weeks and then they have to do some type of presentation on their experience there still is some type of summative assessment that makes them show what they've learned right i'm going to give you an example my wife she's a veterinarian she works with cats and dogs and there's a lot of high school seniors that ask me questions about that all the time and one of the biggest questions that i get asked is oh i bet she loves it it's a, such a great job working with the puppies and kittens yeah it is a great job she loves what she does, but every day is not puppies and kittens. No. So there is a local high school senior that shadowed her. And within the first couple hours, my wife had to uh, treat a very sick dog that she didn't think, you know, would make it mm -hmm. too much longer. And this uh, student was in tears and was like, I can't handle this. Yeah. But that experience probably saved her a lot of money. Uh, she went from wanting to go in for science and maybe go to vet school to wanting to do something completely different because she felt like she couldn't handle it. But I feel like that experience was rewarding because now she's focusing on a path that she knows that she truly wants to go on. Yeah, well, that's almost more valuable. I don't know if more valuable is the right word, but valuable in a different kind of way than all any other class she could have been in about veterinary science because it kind of showed her she didn't want to do it. And I think a lot of people, I know it didn't happen for me until college, but I got an internship over the summer in a chemical lab. It was, I think it was called like a process development intern, like actually working on, you know, actual, like doing what a real chemist would do because at that point I wasn't quite sure that I want, if I wanted to teach or if I wanted to, you know, go into like a more of a research field. And uh, I did not like it. I didn't hate it, but it definitely, it seemed boring. It seemed isolated. It was just me and like three other people in the lab all day. Just kind of felt disconnected from the world. And it kind of showed me that, that teaching for sure would at least, you know, personally for me, be more exciting and, and, and something I would be way more interested in. So all we're saying is that these are the kind of experiences we think would be a little more valuable. And I think most seniors would actually appreciate and enjoy that opportunity too. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I definitely think that there's it's worth exploring, especially as an upper administrator, if you would be listening to this. And yes, it would need some tweaks. It would need some uh, oh, yeah. run-throughs and careful planning. But this is experience that is going to be life-changing in a way. It can be. Yeah, of course. It could definitely be life-changing. But there's still accountability there, all right? Maybe the teachers that teach primary primarily uh, seniors all year, mm -hmm. maybe they have to be the overseers of certain amount of students where they have to check in, meet with them and, you know, make sure that everyone's on the right path and everyone is doing something. And then, you know, the last couple of weeks of school, instead of having finals, they're doing presentations sure. where, where they invite uh, their teachers that maybe they connected with the best over the last four years to come watch their like exit ticket, their yeah. big giant exit ticket. We'll pull in like a teacher panel and then you have to present to the teacher panel and then the panel decides what grade you get with a rubric, something like that. Well, it's going to bring up one problem. Yeah. And that what happens to those kids that aren't able to get someone to sign off or don't get someone to sign off for a mentorship. Well, I was just thinking it wouldn't there could be options 
you might call this, this whole thing we're describing, maybe just call it something vague, like the senior experience. And the internship where someone signs off is one option. Another option could be more like a service project, like build something, raise money, build, uh, contribute something to the community, some, some contribution that wouldn't involve shadowing in a career type capacity, but still is doing something productive and being active and having something to show for it at the end. Might be a cool angle on this whole thing. I guess another choice could be an independent study. Yep. I know our school offers a lot of electives, and that's one thing that makes our school kind of unique. We yeah. have a dozen science electives. We're adding more next year. We have a, a bunch of you know history electives, and and we have our auto shops and you know art and wood shop, all that stuff. Next year we're having a uh, um, athletic training course yeah. come in. So we have all these cool extra classes, elective classes that allow students to get more of an experience, but maybe they can stem off of that. Yeah. And also, um, I've actually been thinking about trying to initiate some kind of like a senior, I know some schools do this and they call it senior helper, which I don't care for. It it sounds, I want to call it something a little more academic, but that type of thing, senior helper or teacher helper, where um, a teacher in the school gets a senior that comes in and reports to them for a certain amount of hours each week during school and is involved with the running of the classroom. As a science teacher, I kind of came up with the idea as more like a, a lab tech. So if I'm running a lab in two weeks, I bring in my my senior helper, my senior intern, whatever we call it, and I tell them, okay, I need 2,000 milliliters of one molar sodium chloride solution, and they make that for me. So as the teacher, you kind of get someone to help out. As the student, you get some experience doing some some things like that, and that could be just another option for this uh, this whole thing we're describing. Yeah, especially for kids that want to go to college to be teachers. Sure. Yeah, this absolutely. This is great. It's like a TA program. Yes, T- I like the name TA. That'd be that'd be a cool one to call it. Yeah. So uh, we're just throwing this out there, thinking out loud. I mean, we talk about some weird things, and we talk about some not so weird things. This is one of the things I think is uh, feasible and realistic. Absolutely. And just to bring uh, the tech angle to it, if you're going to have your seniors take part in a project like this, I think you mentioned this, they've got to be accountable for that work and it still has to be academic minded. Uh, all the all the Google stuff, uh, any of uh, Google Forms, keeping track of their hours, what they've done, when they've done it, editable and uh, viewable for multiple people would be a convenient way for to kind of keep teachers and students in the loop on their progress. I like it. It's time for the Tech Battle Royale! And we're back for another Tech Battle Royale. I'm about ready to unleash my war cry, Nick. You've uh, swept me twice in a row. And before that was a tie, so it's been about two months since I've won. Right. I'm going for a hat trick here today, so get ready. All I gotta say is... Defense is sometimes your best offense. We're going to go right at it today. We're not going to mess around. We're going to spin the wheel. Nick, give us the categories. All right. So if you're new to the Tech Battle Royale, the categories are productivity, video and screencasting, learning management systems, STEM language, Google add-ons, fun and games, history, research, spinner's choice, and teacher and student favorites. Guys, let's give it a spin. Very interesting. We have uh, productivity as our category for this today. This is our first repeat. Yeah, that's true. We did productivity early on one of our first few episodes, I think, right? Yeah, I believe it was our first episode. Real quick, now's the time when we have to kind of select our productivity app, tech tool, whatever it may be. Yep. We're going to hash it out. We're going to discuss, debate, 
and we're going to diffuse this situation until we get a winner. All right, so I got a, I think I have a pretty decent one, and man, I could have used this this past week. I wrote out just with end-of-the-year stuff, and Geis and I, I'm not sure if we've mentioned this, but we're advisors to the senior class here, so with prom and graduation and everything else, my to-do list for last week was like two pages long, so I wish we had done this a week ago because it could have really helped me. Um, I still just write my to-do lists out on paper, so I'm sort of living in the last century with that. I don't know. Who gets to reveal theirs first? you want to go first today? Hey, it's up to you. You were the top dog last two weeks i think I, I like it better when you go first i feel like i can craft my defense a little bit better mine this week is undefeatable <laughs> you cannot defeat mine right, whatever you might Let's as well see. edge that in a rock <laughs> and keep it on your headboard so you just know who's gonna win this one all right well bring it what do you got what do you what's your pick all right i i gotta throw a shout out to to two ladies who uh gave a professional development on this at the garden state summit in new jersey uh last monday and uh it's pretty awesome i'm not gonna lie i'm it's something that we've talked about before but neither one of us really investigated it yeah. it's google keep before i go any further shout out to jen fisher and katie i'm gonna mispronounce your last name but i'll spell it out after i'm done just so we uh we get the right accreditation out there and also uh we'll also throw their twitter uh, handles in the show notes but jen fisher and katie tesoys that was a guess she spells it t-s-a-o-y-s whoa that's a weird one how do you say that i don't know but i just gave it a shot and both of these ladies did a tremendous job at uh, making a presentation on Google Keep. I'm just going to bring this one out. I'm going to say a couple things that it could do, but I'm going to sure. basically give you a summary of their professional development because it was so awesome. And the way that they use Google Keep was in the world of formative and summative assessment. I mean, you could really use Google Keep to cut down the amount of time it takes you to grade online papers or online projects. Cool. I have no idea what Google Keep does at all. So let's... Uh... What's a good walkthrough? Well, first of all, with Google Keep, you can make notes, checklists, handwriting uh, text, as well as drawings. You can insert images, and I'll come back to that later. Okay. So it's just a quick way to create a checklist. You can check the things without even opening the note. You can make all these little notes for it. You could add recordings in Keep. You could even make the voice-to-text notes. So if I want to speak into my phone, I could do that and it will be there. Just like Gmail, you can kind of organize them by label. So we have labels in Gmail. We also have labels in Google Keep. Katie and Jen used as their professional development presentation was awesome. It was about rubrics. How can we use Google Keep notes to uh, make a rubric? So they're in a Google Doc. Picture someone just did, I don't know, something on snakes in some country. Sure. They were assigned project requirements. Well, what Katie and uh, Jen did is they made each note their score. So picture a rubric and you, you have something worth uh, one, two, or three points or zero with being they didn't hand anything in but say one they're getting there and they did this this and this right but they need to work on this a two is a separate note and it's it's good but you could strengthen it by this but you did these things right and three is wow great job you're there you're at mastery you did all these things right excellent job so they make a note for each one of those scores they read the student's paper, and then at the end, they decide what category it fits in, and they drag the note over to Google Docs. Oh. And what that does 
is it says you earned this score and everything that they did well underneath is there. So there's instant feedback. Now they can make comments or do something else if they want, but if it's a formative assessment, you kind of just need to get the students on the right track. The other thing I thought was super cool is, do you remember scratch and sniff stickers? Yeah. Oh yeah. I love those. So they they took the pictures of the scratch and sniff sticker and uh, anyone that got a three out of three, they would drag that note over and it would be the scratch and sniff sticker at the top. <laughs> Who doesn't like stickers, right? That's awesome. Yeah. So cool. I could only picture and, and uh, Jen brought this up that kids would be scratching their Chromebooks trying to see if it smells. <laughs> I was just going to say, is there any way we can get it to smell? But that makes no sense, obviously. That'd be great though. Imagine that. So Google Keep's awesome. You can use Google Keep right in Google Docs. Uh, if you go up to Tools, it says uh, Google Keep. That's when you click on that, and that brings up all your notes on the right-hand side. So you could drag over whatever you want. So if you want to make your own canned comments, you can make a note for each one and just drag them over instead of writing them. I see. So it's like a – I mean, it sounds like it does many things, but the notes part. I can just click and drag into the doc, and then it's it's done. Super easy. Right. Okay. That sounds pretty awesome. You got anything else for Google Keep, or should I jump in with mine? I mean, I could go on. I'll see what you have. I think right. I have enough there to, to, to wipe the floor clean here. I mean – I don't know. It's tough because yours sounds pretty broad. Mine's a little more, um, let's say, refined in what it does. My productivity service today is called Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. You can find them at Blinkist.com. What it does is it it takes books, nonfiction books. So these are like professionally written books on a range of topics. Right now, uh, they give you access to over 2,500 best-selling nonfiction books. So we're not talking about uh, Huck Finn here, right? Just like informational textbook kind of stuff, um, professional books. And all of us would like to read more of that kind of thing. I know teachers, there's so much educational literature out there, but we're just so busy with our jobs. Nobody's got time to read it. Um, so that that's the sort of stuff that gets pushed off to the back burner because you don't need to do it, but it would be great if you could. What Blinkist does is it takes an entire book and it condenses all the chapters down into bite-sized little packets and it plays back an audiobook version that is no longer than 15 minutes. So you get, obviously it can't be all, but according to the claim of Blinkist, you get all the important information, kind of like bulleted list style of all the the points from that nonfiction book, and you just listen to it in your car. So if you've got maybe an average, actually this would be a really short commute, 15 minutes, you can get the main points from an entire book in that time. That is pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. Um, Some of the other stuff, they have a bunch of categories for the books they offer. Like I said, there's over 2,500 titles right now but it looks like they're always growing that psychology motivation leadership personal growth education there we go okay so for teachers out there there's definitely something there is a fee that's the only knock i think on this but it's not much if you pay for the whole year it's like 650 so that's i mean that's pretty much it for blinkist like i said it's really cool but a little bit of a narrow scope six Fifty, like six dollars and fifty cents, or six hundred and fifty. Nah, sorry, yeah, sorry, six dollars and fifty cents per month. So if you pay for the year, you're looking at thirty-six, forty bucks, something like that. Right. So Blinkist sounds pretty cool. I don't know. Like I said, we're we're in very different categories here. So how how useful is Blinkist to students? Well, if you want your students to, <laughs> uh, it might be a limited. I would say limited use for students. This is more for the teacher side. 
Okay, so I give that one to Google Keep. Yeah, Google Keep gets that. What's one the for cost sure. of it? So that would be uh, roughly thirty-six to forty dollars a year. Mine is free. Free. Okay. Oh, is that Google Keep? <laughs> I believe so. That's a Google Keep. All right. Give me and one more. Can is this something that you would use every single day? Probably not. I mean, more than only... once a day. Yeah. No. All right. I, I don't know, but uh, Google Keep sounds pretty mm-hmm. uh, pretty on top of this one. What do you think? Yeah, that's the nail in the coffin for sure. I kind of knew that was coming, like I said. With most of the ones that lose uh, in these competitions, they're good, but sometimes they're just too narrow. I cannot stack up against Google Keep. Good for you, dude. It's been a while. Uh, you have no clue. <laughs> I'm, stand- I'm standing on top of my chair right now with my arms up. Uh, yes, folks, he actually is doing that also. I wish I, we had a I video might, I might start shuffling here. <laughs> in a second doing a little victory dance he's dancing oh what's this oh yeah windshield wiper <laughs> windshield wiper dance you can't do this i, d- I don't want to <laughs> all right so i uh, hope you guys check out blinkist for some access to professional books you don't get the chance to read and google keep for your everyday note taking bookkeeping and uh check out who were the what were the two uh people you wanted to shout out to should we mention them again yeah let's give their uh twitter feeds it's at jen fisher 18 and at katie tesoys that's uh at k-t-s-a-o-y-s all right there you go so check this stuff out today's episode, we talked about state testing and the ways to battle senioritis. Both topics call for the re-examination of current practices. In education, we have several teams that make up a larger educational team. We have teams that include support staff, educators, coaches, administration, and the board members of ed. Together, these teams have the expertise to make a decision that will support current practices or warrant the need for educational reform that will best support our students. I will leave you with a quote from Andrew Carnegie. Mr. Carnegie once said that teamwork is the ability to work together towards a common vision, the ability to direct individual accomplishments towards organizational objectives. It is the fuel that allows common people to attain uncommon results. As the school year closes, and the reflective period begins. Think about the practices and activities that might need revisited within your classroom or curriculum. Have conversations with others in your related field. Develop a team vision and make changes that will make the ordinary extraordinary. Thanks for listening to Got Tech the Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at WeGotTech or follow along on our website at gottech.com. Until next time.